Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles, the only Florida State podcast with multiple lawyers on it and a business consultant. And today we are going to do our best with only one of our lawyers to talk about the new regulation the NCAA has just passed down and discuss what effect we think it'll have on big schools, small schools, and schools that put all of their eggs in a single basket like the University of Coral Gables. Drake, roll the video and let's converse. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, first of all, before we dive in, thank you for coming to Locked On Seminoles, your favorite daily Florida State podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. We love it. YouTube, podcast, wherever you may be, please continue to listen, continue to check in, and we'll continue to give you the same great content. I'm Max. That's Drake. You can find me on Twitter at MaxMoody17. You can find him at Tally underscore underscore Drake, and collectively, you can find us at Knowles Anonymous. Drake, let's just get right into this. Today is going to be a little more of an unstructured, freeform conversation about this NCAA new rule. So I'd like to give the people the backdrop, but you're the lawyer, so if I misstate anything, jump in immediately and correct me, because I want to make sure I'm, uh, I'm giving the people the full story, right? So how did we get at IL? Well, the Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional to not allow a student athlete to profit off of their own name, image, and likeness. We've all seen the results of that over the past year. The most prominent is these NIL collectives, these groups that are started by fans where people donate money, they raise money like the boosters, and then they, they pay the kid for their name, their image, and their likeness. Now, there has been a lot of controversy over this. Some people feel the rich are getting richer. Some feel that you just took what was a black market and brought it into the light. Some people feel very nuanced ways about it. But what everyone felt, I think, Drake, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, I think everyone had the feeling, for better or for worse, that it was the Wild West. And it has been. I mean, there was literally no attempt by the NCAA to regulate this thing. Some people think that's great. Some people not so much. Then we got wind, uh, what was it, Driz, three months ago? I think about three months ago that a kid, most likely the number one recruit in the next class, signed an $8 million deal with the University of Tennessee to go there. And... Drake, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was really the turning point of like, okay, it's one thing to let a player go sign autographs and sell his autograph, which was the point of NIL. It's another to, when the kid makes your school a bunch of money, get, let him get some of that through jersey sales, sales and stuff. But it's another ball game to basically just pay a kid $8 million to come to your school and shut his recruitment down. And however you feel about any of that, the NCAA has now taken some action. 
they have decided to attack the issue from a different standpoint. So originally they were told by the Supreme Court of the United States, the bit, the, the, the big guys, the big guns, you cannot prevent a player from profiting off of their name, image, and likeness. So the way the NCAA has chosen to attack this now is that they believe, and statutorily they, they still at this moment are allowed to, that they can regulate recruiting of potential student athletes. So they have now passed a regulation that says boosters are still, as has been a rule for decades, not allowed to take an active role in the enticement of players going through the recruiting process. Now, Drake, because it's the part that gets you worked up, tell the people what is the chaser shot? What's the kicker that really makes this something different than we were expecting? So my primary issue with this overall is that, like Max was saying before, that the NCAA basically, people say sleep, fell asleep with the wheel. NCAA wanted literally no conversation with this. They invented amateurism back in the 1960s to get out of paying a player that was injured on the football field back then. If you want to look it up, it's a really actually interesting read. So when they finally got caught of, you know, the it has been a wild west for me personally. I'm a big free market guy. I think these kids have gone a long time without getting paid. So this is definitely a time where they have been able to showcase the talents. And also, your name is your name. This might be the only chance a lot of them can get paid. So my issue with this, this guidelines that are dropped today, is how they define the term booster. And a booster from the new NCAA guidelines states this. A booster is, in part, defined as an individual, independent agency, corporate entity, or other organization who is known or who should have known by a member of the institution's executive, executive or athletics administration to have participated in or to be a member of an agency or organization promoting the institution or intercollegiate athletics program. So to me, what's really bugging me is that first part where it says to have participated in. For those of you who don't remember, Penny Hardaway, who is the current head coach of the Memphis, of the Memphis uh, University of Memphis basketball team, got into some trouble with the recruitment of James Wiseman from a donation he made several years prior to actually him being the coach there. So... We look at all these NIL collectives when they're run by former boosters or people that, you know, cut themselves off. Do they fall under the to have participated in kind of language? And the NCAA to me is like a half-hazard attempt to basically cover up their tracks. And now that basically anyone that's even stepped foot into the waters of NIL representation or these collectives may be in for a heap of trouble. That's not where I expected you to go with that, but I do appreciate the color. The issue is that, well, no, I mean, that's good. That was very good. What I wanted to add is, oh, is the not, retroactive stuff we talked about. Oh, sorry. About right. This is not going forward. So so I'm, I was going to give the story and then opinion. Opinion's fine. That's what we do here, folks. We have opinions. You like hearing about them. We like giving them. But what's most interesting about this about this regulation is the NCAA, who keep in mind has an enforcement team of like 15 people at this point because they laid everyone off during COVID. So we'll see how long it takes. They believe that they're going to be able to enforce this regulation retroactively because this is the very important part. So I never I was not a lawyer, but I worked on Capitol Hill. This is what an executive agency does. Essentially, what, what they're going to posit is that this is already a rule that's existed. They are now just clarifying how they're going to enforce it. So what they're going to say is just because NIL became legal does not mean boosters were all of a sudden allowed to participate in recruiting with money. Now, 
I think we should go to the people's court about this because, well, first I want to say something. Drake, you're an attorney. I'm a business consultant. We live in the world of hypotheticals and trying to see both sides of things. So don't think that anything we say for the next 15 minutes is us taking a life or death stand on this. This is us doing what you all are trying to do, trying to reason and trying to rationalize our way through what could this mean? What effects could this have? So Drake, when I hear this reasoning, I don't like it, but I think it is very sound logic because if, for example, I'll use Washington, D.C., they legalized recreational marijuana about 10 years ago. I think it was eight years ago, something like that. When I was living there, recreational marijuana was legalized. However, it was federally still illegal. So you couldn't buy it or sell it. So what did the federal government do? Not as much in D.C. They did this a lot in Colorado, too. They started shutting down dispensaries under federal law, basically saying, well, just because your state said it was legal doesn't mean it stopped being illegal to us. And I kind of feel like that's what the NCA is doing here, saying just because the kid can make money doesn't mean you can give it to them for the purposes of recruiting. I think my only issue with that is that's already, like you said earlier, that's already been happening for decades and decades and decades. And the NCAA, the only reason why they have an issue with, and this is me being more personal, this is my own personal opinion, where that now it's an issue for them because now that they're seen as toothless, which we've, in my personal opinion, they've always been like that for since day one. My issue with the retroactiveness of this is that I know you're going to go into this about, you know, Miami down south. Basically, they've had the biggest boosters, the loudest guy. I mean, he deleted tweets today, too, as I confirmed that a lot of them are gone. It, I know we want to joke about that, you know, them him being probably the prime target for this. Just because it happens to him doesn't mean it's going to happen to a lot of these other kids. I and mean, we had an entire, what, few weeks about Amarius Mims over here at Tallahassee. You hear the thing about the potential kid going to Tennessee number one recruit. Same thing with USC. I mean, the only teams that you don't hear this about are the SEC schools, the big boys, the breadwinners. So to me, it's one of the things where, like, where, like it's fun to point it out to somebody else that might happen to them. But it could easily, just easily be you with the NCAA, and that's where I guess my issues with that as well. And also, just retroactively punishing someone for old stuff that was like, I was fine then, but isn't now. That just doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't. Yeah. So, so if you're on the podcast, you're going to get a few automated commercials. I apologize, but we love you. Thanks for paying the bills. If you're on YouTube, let's keep rolling. Couple things. One, there are a lot of programs starting with SMU in the '90s or the '80s. I'm sorry, up to UM in the '90s and Florida State having Bobby Bowden not be the winningest coach of all time officially. That would take a lot of issue with your claims that the NCAA is quote toothless. They are not toothless. They take away scholarships. They take away wins. They penalize schools. Most of the '90s. Do you know why Florida State was so good at football? Because they literally prevented the SEC from being on television because they were all just doing so much dumb shit. So I would push back that they're toothless. And I think that that implies that nothing's going to happen with this, which I don't think is what you mean. But this could have real implications for a lot of different schools. And I agree with you. I think the uh, sorry, the SEC is best positioned to get in the least amount of trouble. Here's why. Who has the broadest group of big-time boosters? The SEC schools, right? So if you have enough people where you could say, hey, Drake, 
why don't you pay for Nick Saban's house as a booster and I'll take care of the players $50,000 a year salaries that we're doing and I just won't be a booster anymore. That's easy to do at Alabama, but Florida State doesn't have that. We have to make decisions on do we want an indoor practice facility or I'm sorry, a football only facility or do we want to have an NIL collective? And if they get rid of double dipping, I'm very worried about what that could mean for our program. The main reason why I say toothless primarily is because, I mean, the examples you listed, the SMU one, I mean, they were, they were just being so blatantly obvious about what they were doing with the, the infamous car that was given over to Eric Dickerson, right? And then over with Bob Bowden, it was over, what was it, textbooks given to the kids? Was that what it was? No, it was the kids were part of like Facebook groups that a bunch of people were in. And so they decided to punish our football team for it. But see, like, it's these small little things that are basically somewhat, like, super, super obvious about it, right? When the NCAA, when it's, it should be certain things. Like basically, it's similar to how I view Bud Sealing with the, as the MLB, MLB commissioner. Bud Sealing was the MLB commissioner from, I want to say, the mid to late 80s to about, I think, six, seven years ago. And one of the big things that now is seen as taboo in baseball is steroids, right? Basically, the game was done. We had, we had to start back in 1993, And what say baseball? Mark McGuire. And Sammy Sosa with the home run race to 70-71. Same thing with Barry Bonds, too, in, in 2002 was 70-73 or 74. Bud Sealing was fine with that. Up until Congress came snooping around, oh, the sport, it's not clean? Oh, and I love baseball. But the fact that you're okay with all these certain things is that when certain players aren't do, are doing it, you're not. And then when you're being so blatant, obviously, about it, but you can read the benefits from it for so very long, that's, I guess, more what I have an issue with. And that's kind of one more... You're toothless. You only bare your teeth when you see fit, and that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. Yeah, but I don't know if that's if that's what the evidence supports here. You might be right. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just I'm I'm looking at it a couple different ways. So, you also just saw the NCAA commissioner decide that he's stepping down, and now they're going to start going after this. So clearly, there were people within the leadership that wanted to do this, and it's not a coincidence, in my opinion that once he moves out of the way, now they're going to start. See, I, I think that's one of those cases where it was nice for having you here, but you basically messed this all up. And now we actually have to go through this NIL stuff with no backup plan all period. So Mark here, you know, you've been here for 20 something years. Just please just go off in the night and, and, you know, we'll respectfully, you know, get, get your readiness next morning for 18 months. Like that's kind of more how I saw that going out. Yeah. Or he was standing in the way of this and they felt that he wasn't going to let them do it the way they wanted to. I also think things take time. I mean, we expect things to happen right away, but the NCAA to do this has to get agreement from all of the major conference commissioners. That takes a very long time to lobby that effort. We can't get a hurricane relief bill when people's houses are underwater through Congress in less than three or four months. It's really not that surprising to think that something like this, even if the NCAA wanted to do it the moment they lost the court case, took 10 months because it feels like it's been forever. But NIL's only been around for 10, 10, 11 months. See, but the discussions for NIL started with Ed O'Bannon when that court case was brought, you know, brought towards trial. And then when the Supreme Court gave its opinion, and then you had all that time to sort of have a, not even a contingency plan, kind of like a back, like a bare bones, like foundation or outline of what you want to do. Like, I get what you're saying, and, it's a, and you have a good point. I'm just of the belief in dealing with the NCAA that I don't think they wanted to deal with this. And I think that they're doing the safe face, and quite frankly, you're right that the commissioners have to agree with this. And to me, this is, might be one, one step further for the commissioners to say, you know what, we'll go over the CFP, have the CFP run our, run our, run our conferences instead of uh, the NCAA. 
See, I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't. I, I think, I think it's too, it's too rooted in cynicism. I really don't think they thought it was going to become what it is because we knew the players were going to start getting paid. But the issue that they're attacking isn't the players getting paid. In fact, they've said in the release that the NCAA put out, players are not going to get punished for this. They're going to punish the schools for not controlling. The oh no, it's the amount. It's the amount of money that's being given out. Like, that's what's more people probably in second people's cross I, I, too. I think it's the. I think it's the 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 point. Uh, how do I put this? It's the point of the life cycle during which the money is being talked about is the issue. Because I think what people foresaw, and we all kind of knew this might happen, but. I think that the intention of the Supreme Court opinion was for the Joe Burrows of the world to be able to sign a contract with a car dealership and make a bunch of money. It was not for a kid who, look, if you're listening to this podcast, you love Florida State football and we love you, but it's freaking May. And we're still talking about Florida State football. Like the average person, if you pulled 100,000 people in the city of Tallahassee, Florida, most of them would not know who Sam McCall is or Azari Thomas. They would have no freaking idea who you're talking about they should they sure as hell they, should, they should they sure as hell wouldn't know who the kid from out in california uh that signed an eight million dollar deal with tennessee is like I, I think they're starting to see that and go this is just pay for play by a different name now i'm of the belief the players should get paid but i think the school uh, yeah that, that's not what we're arguing though so yeah that, that's not what we're talking about but i'm we're talking about why did the why why the ncaa why would they get involved now that's my thinking is that a they had to see what happened right because they didn't know like well what's this going to become do we need to regulate it and they start seeing this like okay well again because again the whole premise of this of their argument is that nil became legal nil became untouchable by the way so when people say they, they they threw their hands up they did but they were told by the supreme court of the united states they were not allowed to regulate nil in any way shape or form but what they're regulating now is boosters becoming actively involved in recruiting of kids it with money involved the thing is though it's like i i under i, I agree with you that probably the, the supreme court justices probably didn't know to an extent basically how deep kind of college football goes with any workings of it but me and you kind of understand that most of the listeners do so the ncaa had to have even more than an inkling that something like this would happen and I think that's just more of the fact that it's really hard to get to put the toothpaste back into the bottle, right? And they knew this was going to happen. So I don't buy the fact that they they did not know it was going to be like to this magnitude. I mean, we already have examples of overpaying in the NFL. Remember Brock Osweiler? He's your boy. That man. They, that example, yeah. It's a good example because like you literally you put it on prospect, and basically that man was like what paid seventy million dollars because he had one good season and he was tall. You see yeah. him in baseball all the time, too. I remember Sean Figgins with the Angels got paid, I think, $100 million, and he was terrible. So, like, you don't think that's going to happen with these general managers who already are at, at best average at their job with boosters down but, here but, in college football? But like, we're, we're losing the forest to the trees here. And, what, and the reason I say that is because I, I, it's not the amount of money, right? It's, it's not. I use that. I, no, I'm no, not no, talking I, about the. No, I get. No, because I, I get what you're saying. It's more that like I don't agree with you saying that they didn't know it was going to be this crazy. I think they had an inkling that it would be this crazy. Is more about what I'm getting at. I don't think they didn't know. I so no, no, no that's not what I'm saying. It, it may. And I'm, I apologize if that's how it came across. 
I'm saying that the way the Supreme Court decision came down said that they were not allowed to regulate the reception of money based on name, image, and likeness. So no matter how badly they wanted to regulate, they weren't allowed to. So they had to figure out what are we even allowed to regulate. And now they're looking at going, wait a minute, we're still allowed to regulate how boosters interact with recruits. And that's mm -hmm. what this is coming down to. I think that this is something they've wanted to do the entire time. They just had to figure out what they were allowed to regulate because again, they're not regulating here money being given to a kid for his name, image, and likeness. No, they're they are, regulating the individual tampering with recruiting. But they already have those rules and the NCAA guidelines even before the money. So you Correct. already, but so you already have that framework. So I don't know why. It's not that I'm, I'm not saying they didn't do this in, in ten months. I don't know why they didn't have this plan in place for several years. That when you knew that this was going to be an issue. So that's why to me it was something that they they never thought of actually being being actually as problematic as they did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that, well, and, and part of it too is I think that the NCAA doesn't, I mean, they've never really cared that much if kids got paid, let's be honest, like you yes, said. they did. No, it's only when kids, it's like you said, it's only when they do it like blatantly, obviously. Like they've always known what's going on. They're always like, all right, well, this is happening. But when you start having guys tweeting at recruits who have billions of dollars and basically Mario Cristobal being like, well, we're going to just, we're going to set the new standard for money and we're going to make sure that no one can catch up to us. It's like, guys, you're ruining it for everyone. And they're starting to get public pressure. Uh, I, I, I really don't think it's about the kids getting the money. I think it's about them having to clarify, we're going to enforce what we've been allowed to enforce. You're right. But they had to make sure you've worked in compliance they had to dot their T's and cross their I's and make sure, hey, if we start going after people for this, is it going to get challenged as an NIL thing? And how do we do it without running afoul of the decision? Which, by the way, if they think they're not going back to court over this, they're they're going back to court over this. They're um, already in court right now for basically employee benefits. So this probably might be in a, even a moot point in two years. So, yeah. And look, it's 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 going to get decided. But I just I don't know when you say like, well, like they should have thought about this years ahead of time maybe it's also the timing of it's pretty nuts right like this all started happening as covid was happening and literally according to who is this cbs sports their enforcement arm is down to 15 people because of covid layoffs and then all of a sudden this is happening and they're like oh, all right well um I, I i don't know i mean put it it's this just way such a it's such a good question i think on your part of like why didn't you go ahead and say hey but boosters you're still not allowed to do it I don't know if they, maybe they thought the schools would self-police it better. I, I genuinely don't know. I mean, put it this way. Do you know when Ed O'Bannon, the, uh, like basically the NCAA 2K, you know, 14 video game, do you know when that, I guess that case was uh, decided? No. 2014. So you basically had somewhat of an idea based on that opinion for eight years. And that's just going to where I'm going to leave it at that. And also with the self-policing thing, like schools generally are extremely good at that. We, whenever you see the recruiting violations that each school kind of gets every single, like every other year, that's done through compliance. That's done through the school. So they're actually really good at that. I mean, with, with the booster stuff too, like it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I'm also of the camp that the NCAA to me just is useless in a lot of things, toothless in a lot of things, and it's not going to be a thing in 10 years. So that's all. I'm also a little more, I guess I'm curmudging when it comes to talking about them. Yeah, I mean, the whole NCAA becoming obsolete might might be true. Um, but regardless, I mean, it's uh, 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think, I think that a school like Miami, frankly, has the most to lose. I mean, Miami has literally bet the entire future of their program on like one dude's checkbook. And if the NCAA, even for, let's say it lasts for six months, right? Whatever. It, it, six would be too short. But if they can get tied up in litigation for a year even, and this guy can't both fund Cristobal's salary and the recruits, and that puts them a year behind the eight ball, well, there goes Miami saying they're bar. Um, I wouldn't be sad to see that, but I do hope that um, – I, I just hope that it doesn't completely stall out what's going on with the collectives because I think those have been good for football. I think that the kids getting some kind of compensation have been good. Um, and I don't really think the NCAA should be able to tell kids what they're worth. Uh, I just think you need some kind of – what's the word? You, you need some kind of limit. I will agree with the NCAA on that of like whether it's once a kid signs his NIL or his NLI or something. And I, by the way, this has nothing to do with the age of the kid. I don't give a if a 14 year old wants to make $150 million on YouTube. It's not about me wanting to keep the money out of young kids. I just think that at a certain point, there should have to be in college football, right? What differentiates it from professional football is there should have to be some modicum of purity to the recruiting process. It doesn't have to be like completely even. They'd have a draft if that were the case. But I do think that that is one thing that separates this from the pros is that like we could be Alabama out for Jameis Winston and that changed the trajectory of our program. And if that goes away, I will, as a fan, probably find the sport a little less amusing. I just don't think it's changing. That's about it. I mean, I think when you go into those head-to-head recruit battles, I think that's how it's just in front of you, and that's about it. And then with the uh, the market value deals, then my problem with that, like the NCAA does have that in their guidelines now where it's going to be dealt on a case-by-case basis by analysis of basically of market value. And to me, that's just like, that is so subjective, especially right oh, now. Yeah, they're not going to be able to. It's, it's garbage, but. Yeah, well, there's that's a whole different topic. That's yeah. If they think they're gonna do that, that's that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. But you're not gonna be able to figure out the market value of what a kid's worth because, frankly, ninety nine percent of these deals, what the hell is the kid getting paid for? Like you could say it's their nil, their name, image, and likeness. What are they doing that's providing any value to the business owner? Who cares? There's no law that says you have to be good at marketing to be a business owner. Like you can't you can't punish a business owner for being a bad marketer. Like if anything, they'll say, well, I thought it was going to make me $8 million in business. Turns out I was wrong. What are you punishing? No, that's not that's that's not how America works. But folks, if you don't have millions of dollars to, uh, to throw at recruits, then you're going to need to get your bankroll up. And a good way to do that is at betonline.net. See, if you gamble there, you could possibly win. Could also lose. But, you know, it increases your chances. So, if you're going to do any wagering on uh, on any of the on any of the sports going on, of which there are many right now, uh, Drake, what's the score of the Caps Panthers game right now? What's going on there? It's tied one one. One one. Suck it. Okay. Yeah, Panthers fans get fired up about ties. Love it. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, make sure y'all are- make sure you head on over to BetOnline.net where the game starts because folks, the Caps are actually a very, very solid team, quite frankly, that they might win out the series in seven games overall because they're the tougher team. They've been there. And Alexander Ovechkin, I will say this right now, is the greatest goal scorer in the history of hockey. But, folks, head over to betline.net. Use promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D 
Owen, and you get a 100. That's right, folks, a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can go to LockedOnBoundLine.net where the game starts. Anyway, dude, it's fun to have these NIL conversations because it's like there's never going to be an answer. I mean, they're going to keep moving it around, and they're going to keep changing what's going on, and they're going to keep changing what they enforce, you know. Um, But a little part of me would find it poetically justice poetic poetically justified it would be poetic justice if like our inability to get our stuff together with the nil stuff for so long and miami doing it so rapidly ended up screwing them and not hurting us like that would be pretty awesome so uh uh, a boy can dream Uh, a boy can dream dude can we go over how this weekend like they had formula one down in miami and they put a fake Little oh, yacht. water. Yeah. No, oh, y'all well, party. Yeah, y'all party area. But then had fake water with it, too. Like, they didn't even put in real water. I was like, that is the most Hard Rock Stadium Miami Gardens thing I have ever seen. Oh, dude, life. it looked dope, man. You see the pictures and everything? It looks sick. I know. Like, 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 listen, I know I know you hate so South Florida. Bad. I know you so know bad. you might hate Miami. One, that's a great stadium to go for anything. I know, like, basically, it's, that's why it's so, super sad when it's super so empty bad. for all the Hurricanes games. But it's. It looked pretty sick, man. I was actually kind of sad. I, I, I would have gone, but I also don't follow F1, and the tickets were not in the price range for someone that doesn't care about F1. Is it, though, is is it is it sad that it's empty for the game? I mean, I feel, I personally like it, because then the people oh, I think it's it Oh, I, I think it's hilarious. I think that's I'm hilarious. I'm glad the people have to clean it before the Dolphins games don't have to do that much work on, on Saturday evenings. So, um, good for them. But I want to I wanna close us out here by um, going where we haven't gone in a while and um that is talking about the offensive line because uh this is going to be a shock but i talked about earlier today that we're in the running for a juco transfer and i was wrong um he's actually from south carolina he played at juco for two years and now he's at south carolina that's the the terrence thing kid right the offensive tackle yeah yeah so um i wanted to make that quick correction just for mailbag's sake um and you know man i don't i I think we're kind of like good for the day i mean i you know we talked about nil florida state is on their break right now i think that the players will come back in the next week or so and we'll start hearing stuff from player-led practices um they should start their strength and conditioning program but uh, unless anyone wants to really hear about baseball going two and one against boston college and they're playing uh I don't know, was Miami number three or number four right now on D1 baseball? So they've got Miami this week, and then they finish with Florida? Or they've got Florida and then finish with Miami? I believe it. I believe it's the latter. Let me double check. So either way, uh, the baseball team has a meat grinder of a schedule. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do because, you know, look, man, with this baseball team, you just don't know. Like, they, they lost to, I think, Stetson at one point, and then they swept NC State. So it's like... Yeah, they lost 0-6 to six to, NC, to, to, to Stetson. And this yeah. isn't the Stetson with, you know, Jacob deGrom and them on this. This no. is like Stetson that's not very good. But then three weeks ago, they swept NC State. So it, it, it's like, you know, and they... I think, what they do? 2-1 and one against TCU? They um, went... I, ooh, that's actually... I think they went 2-0. Oh. No, they went 2-0. Oh. The one of the last game was canceled on Sunday. That's right. I did learn this. Apparently, there's a rule in NCAA baseball about travel. Uh, you have to give the students enough time to travel home from the Sunday game or that sounds about or right, something. Um, but they effectively swept TCU because I think they were up like eight to one when there was or maybe like six to one um, when the lightning delay happened. So 
it's it's going to be an interesting baseball team to watch. I know we don't talk about college baseball much on here, but this is a team that no joke could go deep into Omaha. And this is a team that if they don't do well down the stretch, might not even make it into the tournament. So it's yeah, I mean, kinda... it's, it's dependent on the bats. Cause we just, I mean, we've talked, not we've, but like FSU media overall has talked about how this is probably a top five rotation in the country. Uh, when you got Parker Messick, you know, basically leading the way he's a top 15 pick. Here's the issue. Yeah. Can't hit which is kind of startling because your head coach was the hitting coach for so very long. And I would love for Alex Harrell, like to basically, I don't, you don't need the hitters to hit 230. I mean, 280 or 300, just hit 250, hit 250 and just get on base. And that's something that's, it, you know, it causes pressure on the starting pitching. We're basically, I mean, I'm only gonna give you one or two runs, but then you're going to lose game one to zero or two to one. And that causes the starting pitching to stress out, push a little harder and trust me, see it firsthand every single damn day down here. So as long as we're able to basically supplement our base, our pitching, which is elite, we should actually make a decent run because we have Jacksonville, then Miami, then the one game against Florida, and then we close out, I want to say, the last three games against UNC and Chapel Hill. So I'll tell you what this team does really, really well, what makes this team fun to follow. And again, we don't talk about the sport much on here, but uh, it's pretty much the only baseball I follow. This team is incredible and i mean truly incredible at scoring runs late in the game when they need to they don't always win when they do it but the amount of times this team has been down by two or three runs going into the eighth and is able to tie it and send it to extras and then you know again sometimes they lose sometimes they win but this team doesn't go down without a fight and i will say you know to stick up for the guy tyler martin knows how to hit a damn baseball and it's not the thing he's got a good swing too actually well, it's not even how he hits it. It's, it's, I mean, that kid is just, it's like, it's like OBP is ingrained in him. Like he just understands so fluid or so fluently where exactly his strike zone is. He knows exactly when to swing. You know, he knows when to just take a junk swing to keep himself alive, to keep, you know, put a foul ball out there and like make the pitcher throw one more. He's just, he's really fascinating to watch hit. I mean, I, I, for you know, at first I kind of thought he was just a coach's kid, but he he is an exciting player to watch. Um, his play, I mean, it's the play discipline, man, and that's something yeah. you just—it's really hard to teach. Like play discipline is probably the main reason why you see all these players now struggling and hitting for I guess two thirty, because basically no one cares about the walk anymore, which you obviously should. I mean, Tyler Martin's OBP is four twenty five. Folks in the professional league, the league average is like three thirty, three three forty. That's almost a hundred points above average. So probably for college it's maybe an extra 30 points. So he is in the upper echelon with that because he needs it because the slugging isn't that great, but you can never ever un- understate the importance of not only getting on base, but being in a position for your team to score when you need the run to matter, especially when it's a close game that Max was alluding to earlier. And it's so qualitative, uh, but I can't tell you how many good outs I've seen him take where, you know, he'll go up there in the sixth, right? And the pitcher will be at like 91 pitches. And Tyler might get out, but he'll take nine or ten pitches off the guy. And that's and like, important. Sometimes, that's right, important. If, if you can get a pitcher in the sixth inning, a good starting pitcher, and you can take eight to 12 pitches, 12 is a lot, but you can take like six to nine, 10, 11 pitches off him, whatever, that is a huge asset even if you end up getting out because that's the difference between him running through the rest of the inning and you getting to start them having to bring in a middle reliever after your second batter of the inning. So. he's just, he's been a lot of fun to watch and this team's a lot of fun to watch. Um, It's just do the bats come alive. You're absolutely right. So 
we won't talk about baseball too much longer. Uh, Drake, I really enjoyed our conversation today. I hope that you did too. I hope the listeners did as well. <laughs> I hope the listeners did as well. Folks, if you're listening, thank you again for being here. Seriously, we love you. We appreciate you. And it means the world to us that you keep coming by. That was Drake. I'm Max. And this was Locked on Cinema. Take care, everybody.